when you're in an unpopular band, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> when you're in, okay, actually, um, no, I like this. Let's keep this. Keep this. Keep going down this revenue. When you're in an unpopular band, you go, "Why are we unpopular?" unpopular. And, you and then you said, "But then you get into a popular band, yeah. and you meet people, and you go like, oh, that's why." You go like fifty percent is the music, yeah, and then fifty percent is me being good at hanging out with these people and like not being a dickhead, yeah, and that's which very, is totally cool. That's a very astute observation, yeah, which makes me think that you've done both of those things. Totally. And my only question is, what band was it that was the unpopular band? Oh, I was in a band, so the first band I was in was a band I started when I was 13 with, uh, 13, 14 with Vince, who was in Rackets and also Water, yep. and a guy called Isaac Johnson, another good school friend of ours, we used to all live in Ellerslie, about a two minute walk from each other, and we had a band called The Randoms, Oh, and we were like a kind of a hard rock band, we had like ponytails and like would drive around yelling Metallica out of cars and like fully like, to be completely honest, like was really stuck in that ghetto for a long time until I kind of, I because my, my dad said to me, don't smoke weed till you're 18 because your brain's not developed. And I'm like, cool, I want to listen to you. I love my father. He's really like, he always tells me the truth, speaks to me honestly. And that's kind of why I'm so pro the marijuana bill going through is because I think education is so fucking important. Yeah, yeah. So he told me, don't smoke weed till you're 18. I was like, cool, I won't do that. So I was in this tragic band making hard rock, drinking a lot of alcohol, not smoking any weed. I'm not trying to say weed helps with music, but it does unlock a few things. Mm. And then I listened to the Pixies, didn't really get it, smoked a few joints, listened to the Pixies and was like, holy shit. And yeah, then kind of right. got, it was a bit of like a, a godly moment. You're like, oh my God, I understand. Like you just kind of understand music a bit. I don't know, just opened a lot up for me. Yeah, yeah. And then the randoms finished because Isaac wanted to pursue more of a, he wanted to go into like a quantity surveying, more of a, uh, like wanted to go <laughs> big right turn, yeah, big <laughs> right turn. But he wanted to be more involved in like go down the academic route. And I was like, I realized I don't really want to go down the academic route for no reason. Like to go to university just to go to university. Mm. I'd rather work at a shitty job and just go harder being in a band. Right. So then we left the randoms finished, and then we met Jeremy playing. Because we used to play a lot of like. Um, do you remember the? Ind oh, you probably were not from Auckland, but the indie club was this thing that was part of like Power Tools record. A guy called Andrew Maitai, and any band could get on the bill. It's like. It was actually really good for bands to play, but it was quite a tragic bill sometimes, like on a Tuesday night at odd venues and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's where we played with God Bows to Math and we'd, we met Jeremy and I was like, this dude's kind of, I know we like, both were like, we fucking love the Pixies. Oh yeah, the Pixies. And we're just like freaking out about the Pixies. And I was like, oh, I'd, this guy would be awesome to be in a band with. And then just called me out of the blue. I was like, hey, our guys left the band. Do you want to join our band? And he's like, yeah, come pick me up from Martin's house from God Bows to Math and we have a jam and stuff. And and, we, yeah. and and that was the start of the popular band? Yeah, that was the start of the popular <laughs> band. And I'll be honest with you, I think Jeremy was a big part of that because he had that real good, obviously he's a fantastic musician, but he also was really good with like the internet. Oh, like, yeah. I, that sounds weird to say it really mm -hmm. silly, but like he understood like, I don't know, just how to like write things on Facebook properly in that kind of internet-y way. He gets the internet. I don't really get the internet as well as, well as he did. So that was where we understood like there isn't just the music aspect is like getting the internet, putting yourself out there. And then I was the guy that would stay out late and yarn to like the dude that was running this place or whatever, or just kind of, and then I started getting more into that like kind of networking vibe, which also made me feel a bit gross. You're like, are we getting these gigs because of the networking or because of the music? So you're like, yeah. oh, what's happening? And then it kind of, kind of plays on your mind a little bit in that respect. But um, <laughs> I just remember being in like the unpopular band and be like, 
is it just because we suck or is, it, is there something else going on here? And it was mostly because we sucked, <laughs> but also because yeah. I wasn't talking to the right people either. Did you do smoke for your rock quest or anything? Oh, hard out. Yeah, we, won, like, we won the Auckland regionals. It was my big claim to fame for, for the randoms. Booyah. It was amazing. It was a big, big moment for us. And then we, you know, you had to make like a live video. Yes. We went all out. We like, because we were like, we played a lot of gigs at like the King's Arms. The randoms kind of got it. We got people like Bob Frizzy recorded our last two EPs and cool. stuff. Like we had like, it was, that was how we got into where we were. But like they, we got a bit better towards the end of So you were career. like that, that raging high school band that everyone's that, like, actually they're kind of like, they've got something there. Well, we started when we were like 14 and we kept going to we were like 19, 20. Right. And they're like, so when we were in like our 19, everyone was like, oh, you guys sound kind of like Fugazi. And at that time I was like, who forgot? Right. Like, I was like, actually, <laughs> okay. that shit, like, yeah. with music, I like, I knew, like, some. I always liked Leonard Cohen and Bob Dylan and, and not as much of the alt rock stuff until I kind of got more involved, like, liked the Pixies, listened to the Pixies and Pavement and then listened to Fugazi and all that sort of stuff. But did you have, like, a family that ever introduced any of those artists or, like, kind yeah, of so music to you? My mother is really into Leonard Cohen. So she would, like, be obsessed and always play his music. So when I, so when I first, uh, wanted to learn guitar she was just like straight away drove out and bought a guitar because she was always wanting me to learn an instrument but you know when your parents are really pushing you to do something you kind of be a little bit reactionary and be like no I'm yeah. not going to learn the instrument fuck you but I went to this because I went from a state school called um, Waitakere Primary School mm. which was like just a really cool country school and then I went to a Michael Park Rudolph Steiner School which was every year has 30 kids per year so they're all kind of like brother and sister really like tightly knit so when wow. you come as an outsider of that school you kind of are like, who are you? And I was at the time grew up in West Auckland and I was really into like Dr. Dre 2001 and like hip hop and stuff. But everyone at this school was only into like Nirvana, Metallica, like hard rock or music from like 20 years ago. And I was like, what is this backwards school? Right. But then they wouldn't accept you. There was only other one other kid that was into like rap music and he was like really not <laughs> cool with the class. I was like, in other schools, it would be the rock guy would be the random dude at that time because it was all like the hip-hop era was kicking off. Right. But at this school, it wasn't. So I was like, oh, my God, I've got to learn to play guitar. To like, I've got to like learn to, you know, I've got to get into this music. Yeah. So then I got really into like, yeah, I said, I was like, I got an electric guitar. and said, my mom, can you can we go get a guitar? And she went, drove out and got a guitar and then just learnt, taught me a bunch of Leonard Cohen songs. And I really, really, never really went to too many major guitar lesson. She just taught me the foundation chords and then I was like, cool, I'll just learn to write songs from these chords. Yeah. Did you start writing songs like immediately? Yeah, I never really thought that there was much, I didn't really see much use in learning other people's songs, which in, I've now learned in hindsight was very stupid, but I just went straight into trying to write my own songs. So I was yeah. like, that's something that will be totally like, even if it's shit, at least no one else knows how it's meant to sound as well. You of know, course. there's that, but it's also, I really love the cathartic nature of songwriting where you have a feeling and you write a song about it and then you like, you feel free from that feeling. So like some of my songs do end up being on the depressing side sometimes because <laughs> I am freeing myself of dumb feelings. So it's kind of almost, yeah, sometimes it can be on that edge of things. And then I'll put some random lyrics in to mask it because you don't want to be too, too personal. Yeah. But, um, generally I found that songwriting was quite a cathartic thing as a youngster. So like were you, that's a very, I would say like self-aware and, uh, wise view of your own understanding of your own writing now you know what I mean like you're you're, you're saying like oh I do it for this reason and I was aiming yeah. for this were you doing that the whole time were you, are you like or, or is this something you've come to understand about what you're doing and back in the day you were just throwing fucking shit together well there's definitely been songs that are like a bit sillier and stuff but generally it would come down to like a core a feeling that I'd have or even 
maybe more like an observation of someone else and something that they might be going through and then feeling like the way that I can work out and feel empathetic to their feeling would be to write a song and, and take on that emotion and feel it a little bit potentially. I will say like a lot of your songs are this weird dynamic between like timeless but specific. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I, yeah, it's at, hard for me to know it, but you know what I mean? Like from the outside. From the as in like, it's usually you can either do one or the other. You can write like a timeless song, but it's always pretty vague because that's how you make it timeless in, yeah. in essence. Or you can be like oddly specific and tie your song to like the, the day the iPhone one came out yeah, or whatever, yeah, you got a lyric there. But like you somehow managed to do like the interesting observations that sound specific, but still seem very timeless. Oh, that's good. To, I'm glad that you say that. To be honest, because I never feel like I can, I've never felt like I've ever been able to write like a story song, like something that is very specific. Yeah. I feel like it's always a little bit more emotion based and a little bit more, I like to see an image from a line. So a line will say something and I'll go, I'll see, you see the uh, something from that line. Yeah. And if that doesn't correlate with the other lyric as like on a piece of paper, like a poem would, that's okay because it's about that image. Yeah. And generally the chorus will be the overarching emotion feeling of the song. But I like that you said that I have got some specific references as well as the, the timeless thing is what I ultimately, yeah. you don't want songs to be stuck in an era too much. That's why it's actually an interesting thing to bring up. Like, how do you feel about it as a songwriter talking about like Instagram or iPhones or like new world technology in songwriting is kind of interesting because it's not in hip hop. It's used a lot, but in like guitar music, it's, I feel like it's not used as much. Oh, guitars are dragging behind, are they? Well, maybe, but I was just, I remember I listened to a podcast. I love this podcast called Broken Record with Rick Rubin. It's yeah, an amazing yeah. music podcast. And there's an interesting one with like Jack White, who's obviously loves being in the past. It's like his favorite place. And he's talking about how he finds it hard to talk about like swiping and scrolling and like these different actions. But then he really reveres it in hip hop because it actually does make it more relatable and mm. understandable. So I don't know. I just thought. I always do shy away from heavy specific references that will tie you to a moment and a time and a specific feeling. So I, I'm glad that you can see some of them in, in the songs. Well, and I've always wanted to ask you that question because it, it, without knowing it, it was hard to ultimately figure out what was going on in rackets. And now that I know that you were thinking about it, then I can, I can now say the, the most impressive thing about rackets is that you so well hid that level of intention and thought that went into that band, yeah. like in the presentation of it. That was the problem with Rackets as well though, is that we came across as so much of a gimmicky band that the intention of the song sometimes got lost a little bit or like the serious, not the serious nature is the wrong way to say it, but like if a song did have validity to it, it often got lost within the the show of the band. But I would say if someone said it was gimmicky, they, they are completely misunderstanding the entire oh, that, thing. Yeah, right. I, suppose I always justified it to myself, and this is not trying to reference myself closely, but like I always liked the playful nature of the Beatles as well. Yeah. They'd be so silly as well. I think people at the time would have called the Beatles um, gimmicky. Yeah, but then you think of the songs, the heaviest songs, some of yeah. those songs. I know. So that's. Uh, it's uh, an odd place to straddle, though, you know what I mean? Oh, it's an incredibly hard place to straddle. I think that's why I loved it so much. That's like, cool. It was, and, and I, yeah, and I always wondered whether it was like you guys were accidentally being. So in the moment, because it was like you guys were on fuck. I watched your shit on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you were the first like the New Zealand band that I actually went to YouTube to go and watch things True, on. And yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. The world crazy. was that cusp. Like it was, it was yeah, performative it was and visual and music. But you were you were, and I would actually argue like almost still only the only band to really grapple with that kind of new reality for musicians in New Zealand. I would say. 
Of what do you mean by that? Like of the like using well, the how people are consu- how people our age and younger are actually consuming things because they're consuming them as stories and brands. Yeah, I suppose you're right, and that's actually probably why I'm so screwed now musically is because <laughs> it's so it's so intense to think about the mm. layers of what you have to do as well. Like I couldn't make all those videos again now, and I well, I could, but I I you wouldn't have that same energy behind it. No, like, but you're even now. I know you're trying, you seem like you're trying to just, you're like, oh, I had it, I lucked into this thing and now I don't have it anymore because I'm a normal guy. But you, your videos you're making now, uh, the, the, do you do the dad? No. Oh, sad dad. Sad, sad dad, right? Okay. There's no music <laughs> attached to that. Well, actually, that, I, can, I actually will plug my other band. So we make all the music for the sad dad budget adventures with a band called Trout, which is our new soundtrack band. So Vince, who is in Rackets and Water and The Randoms, my, basically my, brother like i love him more than anybody apart from my son and my my sorry my daughter sorry my wife and my son just caveating i do love vince's hard third but um anyway um shout out vince love you vince so much but anyway we we just do like soundtrack jam music for that show as well under the guise of trout right. so, so it's anyway, even sorry it's even sorry, shout out trout it's even better <laughs> than i thought it was because there is music attached and people like i found out about the music through the visual medium now yeah and 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 that is exactly what I think everyone should be doing a version of oh, that. Oh, bro, everyone should make a YouTube show. It's the funnest thing in the world to do. It is fun. And so I mean, good. you're an excellent and entertainer. Thanks, oh, and by the way, thanks for doing this podcast. Like, it, this thing, I've always wanted to do a podcast and people don't realize, like, I was like, I want to do an adventure show or do, like, I love watching YouTube. I love, like, bald and bankrupt, like, weird, like, travel vloggers or, yeah. like, the Nine Club skateboarding podcast, my favorite, like, YouTube show. And I was just like, sometimes you just have to do it. And yeah. You're like, and you just fucking do it. And I tell you what, when people actually do it and don't have the budgets, it looks real and people like yeah. it more. Like all gas, no brakes. Have you ever watched all no. gas, no brakes? You'd, I feel like you'd be quite a fan of that. It's just a guy in an RV who kind of looks like a nerdy teenager, but he's, he's, he's onto it. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Interviewing strangers in very intense random conferences and oh stuff. God, and then edited Tim and Eric style by him. Oh, wow. Um, as these people are like, he went to a furry um, convention. Oh, I think, and I, he, went I think to, he was on a podcast. I was listening to King and the Sting recently, him and the guy that I did, think that, he was on did that LaCroix, you know, the, sorry, the claw is the law. Yes. Meme dude as well was on it with him. Yeah. yeah that's him. Uh, yeah. And yeah, he looks amazing. He was, and he was talking just like, you just got to get out there. And if people see a camera and you're just getting the vibe going, they're just, they'll gravitate towards you as well. Exactly. I, I think I think um, it's yeah. People worry so much about like making it look professional, oh. but it makes it look like an ad now because all the professional shit is ads. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't know what people are worried about. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was worried too, though. But, but people, you just gotta do it. But people like it seems. People are still being convinced. It's a fucking scary time to put yourself out there, to be honest. Right now, people like there's a lot of you know the internet's a big place, so putting yourself. I'm not out there like you're saying a crazy view, but just being willing, being putting yourself receptive, being out there for criticism is, is a, it's a step. I would say it's in, extremely scary to be out there in society all the time. Yeah. And, and the more that we challenge, the more that each person challenges that for themselves and kind of finds a, a new comfort zone for themselves, totally. um, they, they, they grow and they find a new place. And I would just say to people out there is that it's exactly the same on the internet. If you just like find where you're actually yeah. comfortable in yourself, yeah. then it's really easy to sit down on a couch and just talk for fucking hour. Yeah, totally. And you find your audience that likes you and it's totally awesome. And then, it, yeah. And that, cathar- and that, that potentially that cathartic thing happens where you're producing some content that you're proud of and it's rad. Well, I, I don't know if I'm proud of this content, but I- I like your podcast. I listened to Andrew Wilson. I really enjoyed that. I have a fuck ton Earth, of fun. 
Earth Tongue. I'm looking, listen, looking forward to the Earth Tongue one. I do this purely selfishly for, for like fun and getting to actually sit on a couch and talk to you and ask you questions that, that is, I want to do. It's the reason you should do anything creative. Totally. But that that's is the rule. Oscar, that's new to me. I only really? just realized that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the, I mean, I lose it all the time because the commercial aspect of it all like, oh my God, we're going to make the CD, got to get it pressed or get to promote this gig, does get in the way. But ultimately you should be having fun. And I always have to remind myself of that because I so often forget that. Yeah. Even with the sad dad thing, I'm like editing, like, oh, why am I even doing this show? I'm like, because you drove to New Plymouth on the weekend and hung out and screamed and had a great time and fly fished in the river, even though I'm vegetarian, I barely like fishing. I just want to hang yeah, out right. with my mate and do a YouTube show because fuck, it'd be fun. Of course. But you for, yeah, you can't forget that you're having fun. And also, hard work is like when it is a bit nuggety and then you're like, you oh. get the show at the end of you're like, oh, yeah. that is very nice feeling when you've got a fully edited show or an album or a song or whatever. That is such a good feeling. Are you good at enjoying stuff you've made? Um, yeah, I think so. I yeah, I do think so. I I um, yeah, I listen to. I find a give myself a year, and then I can listen to the music a bit better. Yeah, but it depends on. It's a big, it's a big question, actually. Weirdly, sometimes I generally like stuff that I didn't like at the time more in retrospect, and then songs that I were really into at the time. Not so much in in the past, but I don't listen to my old music very often. But when I've when I'm working on a new song, like right now, Water's working on a new sort of EP. We've got two or three. We're basically recording one song a week at our practice space. So we've got two songs lined up. So I'm listening to those a lot, and I'm really into those at the moment. So I'm kind of I'm into it when I need to be into it. But once it's done, I kind of can be cool with it. But mm. weirdly enough, and it sounds odd. My son does really like listening to, he goes, I want to listen to daddy music. And he can actually hear when it's not daddy music and he starts losing it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. So he does force me to listen to a lot of my old music and which does sound really egotistical and weird, but, and it's been kind of nice actually. Yeah. And it's, and I have listened to some old racket songs and been like, oh, actually that was a really cool song that we didn't ever play live because we always would record and release an album and then we would have already be working on a new album, would never even play those songs live. So yeah, wow. we were the oddest band for that because we were just constantly moving forward, never stop writing more songs. You did a 51-day tour of New Zealand with a lizard and lizard. We did indeed. Oh, I have to, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It was one of the best tours <laughs> in 42 days. Yeah, it was fucked. It was crazy. It was fucked. Didn't get to Stewart Island or Waiheke or New Plymouth, but everywhere else we went to Waikaka, which was a town of 48 people. And I think 37 people were there, so that's a pretty good turnout for yeah. the town. They had a lamb shank there for us. Barrytown Hall, amazing, where like Fugazi and Big Black once played. Uh, Granis, yeah, it was, that was one of the best tours of my life. It was amazing. Seeing the whole country, the west coast of the South Island is just like my favorite place ever. Like we stayed a couple of nights in this town called Milliton, which is just out of Granity. And these old punks have taken over this mining town. And they just like, yeah, they get up to some stuff. And like we were, um, and we just stayed there for a couple of days and they were just looked after us so well. Wow. And it was just amazing. They run this like community radio station with it. It's all like fluoro camo painted, like corrugated iron shed. And we're walking around these old like mine entrances and it's just unbelievable. But yeah, the South Island hospitality was unreal. But touring for that long was, yeah, it was, we really, I, I loved it. That was one of the best times of my life, to be honest. You, that was kind of a simulation of what an American tour would kind of be like, like the, because you can go for so long. I'd think so, yeah, but it, that was all thanks to Logan Hampton who booked that yeah. entire thing. Logan is just the biggest legend of all time. I don't think anyone's done more to grow the regional music scene 
than him. Oh, he's and oh, no one talks about it because I he's will in, talk about it till the day I die. Yeah, I love Logan. And also, okay, I'm gonna do a few shout outs on Logan real Good. quick. Hey, I'll get us beers while you shout out. Okay, you yes, please, bro. Thank you. So, quick one on Logan. So he's moved. He does like he does like um, backline hire out of Melbourne at the moment. And my friend Perry, who used to play in like, yeah, totally, bro. Yeah. My friend Perry, he used to play in Civil Union and he was also in Guardian Signals. He recorded on that record. Oh, it's all good. Um, basically, he's over there and he's not getting any work support because he's in Melbourne with the lockdown right now. And Fuck. like, and Logan's, Logan's in Melbourne doing backline hiring out. And he's hitting up Perry going, hey, if you do this live tour for the Melbourne government, you get four grand. If you go get a COVID test from this place, you get 400 bucks. And he's like looking after all the New Zealand musicians over there with all these little sneaky hustles and like... I just love you, Logan. If you're listening to this, you are the greatest person. We'll send Thank it you so much. For we sure. love you so much. Yeah, dude. And that tour wouldn't be possible. So how that tour happened. So when we were in the randoms, the randoms kind of finished just after we finished high school. And we actually, so we recorded our last EP with Bob Frisbee. And when you record with Bob Frisbee, um, John Baker kind of gets involved as well a little bit in terms of helping you promote and kind of that started, starts the machine. And he got us on a Datsuns tour, which was fucking massive wow. for us leaving high school touring with the Datsuns I was like yes I'm glad I didn't go to university bro <laughs> yeah 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 anyway <laughs> and so we toured with the Datsuns unbelievable and that's where me and Vince were like this is what we're gonna do now cool. for the next while and then Isaac was like this is fucking grueling I don't wanna do this this <laughs> yeah. sucks what? only psychos would fucking you, do this and you this. hang around for like <laughs> nine hours nervous the whole time yeah and I'm like yeah but yeah it's so sick so we were playing in Dunedin at Sammy's, which was an awesome venue to play mm. at. With the, oh, it was one of the best gigs, just because that theatre is so rad. Beautiful. And then we were like hanging out in Logan and Callum's van afterwards, me and Vince, just, you know, hotbox in the van hanging out. And he was like, I'm going to plan the biggest tour in New Zealand history. <laughs> would you guys be keen? And I'm like, yeah, we'd be keen. Randoms would be keen. Anyway, we're like, who is this dreadlock dude who's like, come and smoke some weed in my van with me. I'm going to book the biggest tour in New Zealand history. We're like, yeah, whatever. We're keen, we're keen, we're keen. Of course, you say yes to anything like that. Yeah. Fly back to New Zealand and then he hits us up like six months later. Subsequently, the band's finished, the randoms. Yeah. We've started rackets, but we've only been going for like six, you know, maybe six, seven months, you know, not even that. But we have, we worked really hard and we got those first two albums, Friends in High Places out pretty quickly. We're working on music. So he was like, hey guys, in six months, so like a year from the band starting, we're going to go on this big, big tour. Are you guys in? I'm like, oh, Randoms is done, but I got this new band called Rackets. We'll totally do it. And he's like, um, uh, okay. And we're like, sweet. So we did it. But then we cranked a bit more material out in that time while he was booking it. And then we moved down to, because we played a couple of shows in Dunedin, just flew down for a couple of gigs and played at Chick's Hotel before that tour and got on really well with Hector, who used to run it. Yeah. And he's like, you guys are going to come down here, record an album here. And we're like, okay. <laughs> so we like flew down there a month before the tour and lived at Chick's Hotel and wrote an album. But then we didn't realize that we don't know anyone who could record down there. So we just wrote, kind of wrote an album, but actually just hung out with Dunedin people all day or yeah. for a month and had the best time. And we basically worked at Chick's. And I think we played, over a month, we played like 12 times at Chick's in yeah, that month. Because right. bands, some band wouldn't turn up, it would be their opening band or we'd play on a Tuesday and we'd practice there. And we did all kinds of weird things. Like Hector was like, one time he was like, <laughs> when David when David Bowie started Ziggy Stardust, he told all the band to dress up like women and 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 then they're like, oh, a bit weird. But then all of, they all kind of like hooked up with more girls after the show and they're like, so they all did that from then on. They're all dressed up as women. And Hector's like, I want you guys to all dress up as women. It's Chicks Hotel, guys. Chicks Hotel, come on. 
like you guys gonna be chicks. Yeah, yeah, right. And we're like, fuck, whatever. So I dressed up as a woman, but it was weird. All these middle-aged women kept trying to like kiss me over the bar and stuff. Hector really, had a secret. Hector knew. Flew, yeah, it, it, it something went went happened in Dunedin, but that was a weird bar. Like sailors, like a sailor stabbed some dude out the front of it one mm-hmm. night. And yep. it was fucking odd. But anyway, I love Chicks Hotel, and I did love Hector as well because he yeah. was mad as all hell. So you didn't. So did you end up? You just wrote it all. You didn't. Record we just it? wrote. So we wrote the album because this was pre Stephen John Ma. Totally. Well, Stephen John Ma was only the records was all recorded by Bob Frisbee. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So John uh, Steve Ma was all he came in. But he did Water, right? Yeah, he did the second Water album. Yeah, and he was recording bands and shit. Sometimes I think Yes he was But that was when we were Way, way back way, yeah, but yeah. Stephen no. was one of the best Experiences recording for me ever Because he is just the most good Calming lad. person And he's got really good taste And he's just lovely Yeah great. Super He's a good Timaru lad That's why Is he a, yeah, yeah, he's a yeah. lad Timus Howard Dude I played a show in Timaru once At like a sports bar there Like the big pub Probably with, like Export or something yeah, Bar Export Bar Export Bruh Bro, It was a heavy show It was oh. so bad I can tell you I, I wasn't at that show I don't think But the only time I've really gone into uh, export, bar export, was um, on a weeknight after the drummer for Revenge Sevenfold died. What? Yeah, and my friend Jamie from um, Sports, yeah. he was a big fan, and we, we were back from uni or something, both in Timaru, and we're like, oh, the Rev just died. We're like, oh, sad. Should we go to bar export and like have some beers? So Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe, I think. And then there was no one in there, but they still had the like, was it like Juice TV maybe playing yeah, yeah, or some yeah, shit course. on there? We're like, can you put Avenged Sevenfold Beast in the Harlot on, please? And me and Jamie just sat there and had some beers and had Avenged Sevenfold going. Oh and that's God. my bar export experience. So yours is, well, I think they're very similar, very, really. Very, very similar. similar. <laughs> like, what? Uncannily, uncannily <laughs> similar. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah good very... to chat. Oh, I, but, yeah. But yeah, they were, they were yeah. I've completely lost. Oh, yeah. Um, so we moved to Chicks Hotel and then we went on that big tour. So we lived there for a month and hung out with Hector. Yeah. And then toured the whole country with um, Elizabeth and Lizard and Porpoise, which was yeah. Callum from Left or Right. Yes. Which was that famous sort of Dunedin like, reggae metal band, I suppose you'd say they were. So hard to classify. Hundred, Yeah, really hard. But the Feastock legends. Yeah. And um, yeah, and he would, he would do like really weird like ZZ Top covers with just a bass and a Casio keyboard as the opening act. Like we played a show in Cromwell at like a motor in and we got like these obscene guarantees like because Logan would get these guarantees like we were covers bands because him and his brother used to do covers bands tours around South Island. So he'd be getting like these $1,500 guarantees at these like the Cromwell motor in. Yeah. And then the dude, we all turn up and start playing this random fucking Originally, they're like, when are you guys going to start playing the covers? And we're like, we're not doing covers. <laughs> but we've already had the free dinner. We've all got our own motel room and we get buffet breakfast in the morning. And the only people watching the show are these two Argentinian dudes just standing up on tables and then jumping into each other. <laughs> and it's like, you literally have spent four grand on this night as a venue. <laughs> like, what is happening? Like, I don't think we, it was a, I think it was a really hard tour to rebook. It would have been oh, an impossible tour. I wonder why. I mean, fuck. But it was like a lot of the South Island shows, to be honest, were like, they were expecting a covers band. That's the South Island, bro. But like, but he used to book covers bands. So yeah. like, well, how you and his brother were at a covers band. Like they were making good coin and do weddings and stuff as yeah. well. That's because he's, he's a mad genius. Oh man, Logan, love you so much. Such a legend. Yeah. And Elizabeth and Lizard was an incredible mm. band. They I still were... see Paulie Cat to this day as well. I love Paulie Cat. Yeah. I love seeing Hardly Unclear. Like for me, that's like the amalgamation of kind of the continuance of that oh, yeah, whole scene Denny that was happening on. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. And it's, it, it, every time I get to see them, I get simultaneously to enjoy their wonderful band and 
relive nostalgic gigs of past. Of oh, Brown would have been Brown, Brown and Biff and like yeah, yeah, and Paul from and Paul and Elizarin reminds me of that as well, yeah. and and obviously his own music as well, which is really good. I need to hear more of that. Yeah, he's a but great yeah, dude, bro. Um, when you said that Jeremy understood the internet stuff, because I actually yeah. wanted to talk to you about the. You know the 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 six six singles, yeah, and all the videos that went with them, yeah. Because I feel like I I had to guess from the outside. Mm-hmm. I would have guessed that you are the more like visually focused. Like, oh, I want to, I want to. You were at least majorly in control of what was happening within the videos, and and not not how they were filmed, nah, but like yeah, you were yeah. a driver of that. As to, and, oh yeah, I think yeah, yeah. So with the six six singles, I had a pretty like I all of a sudden one day was just like, oh, we should do these six singles and this would be a funny story to tie throughout the whole video. So that concept, I'm not going to like, I did not claim that I had the idea catalyst idea would have been mine, but obviously the, the idea was fleshed out with lots of other people like in the band and then Levi yeah. and Adam who made the videos as well. But yeah, the six, six singles was definitely kind of a concept that I had. I was like, I really wanted to do this continuous theme. And at the time the funding was six grand for one music video. I was like, dude, cause we'd already made so many videos for nothing. Yeah. I was like, I can make six videos for six grand. Let's, or we can at least do something mm. intense with this money. So then that's what we did. And then thank God for Levi and Adam. Cause to be honest, coming up with a stupid, cause ideas are free. That's, yes. that's a, that's yeah, a yeah, fact. Yeah. Yeah. Ideas are free. So coming up with a stupid idea like that. And then for Levi and Adam to actually come up and execute it. Like Levi edited tirelessly shot basically the whole thing. Um, well, a lot of the thing. And then Adam was doing a lot of the producing. So he was like hitting up people like David Farrier was in one of the videos saying, so just coming out, uh, Rackets have just released the worst video in all of New Zealand oh, yeah, music history yeah, and all this right, stuff. Yeah. And then Lee Hart was in one of the videos as yeah. well as he was the the worst video we ever made was directed by Lee Hart. So we'd spent all the money on Lee Hart was the idea. So yeah, that was the idea of that video. And Lee Hart was the coolest dude. He like, we said, how much do you want for the video? We've on a really tight budget. He goes, oh, just give me a couple of boxes of beer. Yeah, and right. We're like, oh my God, what a legend. Give him two boxes of beer and he gives us one back. He goes, oh, had such a great day with you boys here. Have this one back. And we're just like, oh my God. When you're le- when people that you've always looked up to are awesome, it's just like the greatest thing. Because yeah. you're just like, fuck yes. <laughs> so, but yeah, so Adam put so much work into that, even getting us like, a free boat for like one of the end scenes of oh, it, yeah. like sponsored and even getting us free vans for like, like six pairs of vans each for just putting one van shot in one of the videos and you know, just all Amazing. that stuff. So it was definitely a huge team effort. And then obviously Jeremy and Vince have lots of really good ideas around like some of the costumes or like how we should, the angles of how we should do things and stuff. But that video I suppose was mostly my idea, but then say the cult of rackets video, which is probably one of our best or if not our best video, which is shot at my mum's where I grew up, which is a yoga retreat center in West Auckland. Um, that was like fully Jeremy's idea. Wow. And like, and that, and he actually edited and shot that all with Michael McClellan. And we actually, everyone that was at, there at the day, we just had two handicam or one handicam and people would just would give the camera to people and they'd shoot it with us. Oh, wow. So we actually really had this weird cult vibe going on. And it was like, yeah, but they all were like quite collaborative, but there'd always be someone with the catalyst idea, but that's kind of how we wrote songs as well. We never, we always wrote songs together. It wouldn't mm. be someone coming in going, here's the chorus, here's the verse, here's this, here's that. It would be like, here's a riff I've got. Or, or And I'd be like, oh, cool. That, oh, I've got this melody for it. Oh, now these words have come to me. Oh, sick. And then, so it would always, it always would be collaborative. And even if we did on the rare occasion, bring a song fully formed like that to the band, generally would be one of our worst songs <laughs> yeah, or right. not go any further. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. the same writing procedure for water as well yeah how how many writers in water all of us all of us yeah so it's all jam. All, i'm i love being collaborative because i never 
I can't think of the riffs that Vince comes up with and then a melody that I'll get over that riff, it'll be like, holy shit, I would never have thought of this melody without that riff. Like the way I'll just be playing a bit of shitty E and digs, I'm quite basic with my chords, get kind of, you get mm. kind of stock melodies sometimes, but then you hear a riff that's like, oh, and then all of a sudden this melody comes into your head and you're like, oh, amazing. And then you're like, wow, wow, wow. And honestly, and then it also helps you finish music. Cause I don't know, right. when you make music by yourself, it's hard to know if it's good. Yep. So I've made a lot of music by myself as well. And I'm like, okay, should I put this out? Is this done? But having someone else there going, dude, this is sick. This is rad. It really, it's just, it's lovely. It's yeah. like, I love collaborative, making music collaboratively is my favorite thing. Yeah. Making, yeah. Doing anything creative, like sad dads or whatever. Collaborative is just the best. I think, yeah. It's funny because I agree with you. Even though I'm not doing any of that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I realize I'll say that to you. I'm sorry. When no, you it's not that. It's, well, the thing is, and this is the, this is my whole view of like, music isn't the only thing anymore. I think like music's been you could you could use the phrase devalued, but I actually think it's been like leveled, and that yes, you might be a musician, but we're all we're all being melded into artists, mm. and you can take from how many disciplines you want or are interested in and make a project. We're all we're all multimedia yeah, artists, yeah. right? Like Sad Dads is a great example of that because it's soundtrack music but you're also making the movie for it to soundtrack in a way and then you yeah. it can move in this direction or that yeah. direction and i feel that way about myself where like all my collaboration is with benji yeah who runs point in studios shut up shut benji. up benji what a lovely dude honestly lovely lovely and he everything that i do it's really benji doing it and it's just my it's just my face on it like the collaborative side i, I get to sit down and do the fun part yeah, but that's great though, because he maybe doesn't. I don't know. I'm not speaking for him, but maybe he doesn't. We'll get him up here. Yeah, he'll, he'll like, be on. Yeah, 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 but yeah. Like, but that's. I don't allow him. You don't allow him. No. He's, not, he's not your Jamie. He's not typing away. Oh no, us. I don't need him. <laughs> I don't need him. You don't need much fact checking in digital music. You probably couldn't even find it on Google, even if you were looking for it. We don't fucking say anything of any no. any note to <laughs> need to. We're not. No one's listening. We're not going to get in trouble. This is this is existing in our dreams, Oscar. <laughs> this is early days. Yeah. We, you and I have taken D, DMT, and we are like uh, we are dreaming together. This podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm scared to take DMT. I'd like to do it though. Yeah, I'm in the same. I'm in the same box. I don't. I have a mild. Distru distrust of, of my own experience on psychedelics. Yeah, I've had a bad experience on yeah. mushrooms in the past, but that's why now I've all about small dose of that sort of stuff mm. because it's like you don't need to go fully in. Just have a tiny bit and go, oh, that's pretty good, has, and then stop there. Has your like substance um, taking changed over your life? Yeah. And you've been making music the whole time. I don't really... I, oh. do, 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 I don't like go... What's the interplay there? <laughs> um... Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, like I love. I really, I really do enjoy um, weed, and um, I drink a bit. But I do. I would prefer to use weed than alcohol. I just find it way more productive musically and creatively, for sure. And then, I, I never really was into like even when we were in rackets. We didn't. I didn't do heaps of drugs, to be honest with you. Yeah. But um, I do like. I did do like psychedelics. I like did some mushrooms and had a bad experience on mushroom trips, taking too much. But I do like taking acid and stuff. I did back then. Bigger, bigger amounts but now I'm a father and all that sort of stuff yeah. I can't really fuck I don't want to fuck myself I want to be a good father and stuff but I do really enjoy the aspect of taking a small amount of magic mushrooms like a really tiny microdose like in arguments like, like an eighth or a sixteenth of a tab of acid or whatever mm. and what it does for me is it shuts down my ego receptor and I stop worrying about just really internal dumb problems that I don't need to be thinking about wow. and just make me experience the world and just kind of reset just a bit of a reset around 
I think it's a reset around narcissism, I suppose, and just not being so insular and self-involved. Yeah. And it helps me just kind of reset and breathe a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, my substance is even throughout rackets and stuff, we've kind of always, I've always kind of been on the same level to be completely honest. But we definitely had our moments with problems like, yeah, we had real big issues. Like Jeremy had a lot of battles with alcohol and then when he wouldn't be drinking, he would just take drugs instead. And I wasn't a great influence because I'd be smoking weed or I'd be drinking as well and not be as supportive as I could have been, dealing with my own problems as well, which is not an excuse, just saying mm. I wish I could have been better sometimes. But we definitely had our issues, but then I think that not making it cool, but that was kind of part of what made the fire. It was so hard sometimes that when it was good, it was so good. So yeah. there was that real, it was a really intense interplay that made it at times not very enjoyable because it would be so stressful worrying about, are we, is, am I going to be too fucked up for the show? Is he going to be too fucked up for the show? Are we going to not be able to be controlled enough to do the job that we need to do? Yeah. But then in, in retrospect, I look back and I'm like, oh, that show would have been cool. I wish I could have enjoyed it more at the time. I just was too... I was too uptight actually when I was in rackets and I didn't let people be free enough. And now since I've had a kid and now I'm in water, a band that where everyone isn't, no one's a liability in my band. Like one, one of the members of my band recently was at a gig like, oh bro, make sure you don't drink too many beers before the show. And I'm like, oh dude, really? <laughs> yeah. I used to be that guy in the bands. So I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that you're saying that now. But like, um, yeah, it's, it, 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 definitely, it definitely can be an issue, but um, a good battle can also create some, some magic as well. Yeah. You're a very emotionally intelligent man. Oh, thank you. Because of the way you can, sitting here, talk about very evenly what was good and what was bad and what was all these things. But like, were you that? Have you always been this way, or is this like? Did something? Was there some kind of change, like fatherhood or something that? Because it's very rare. It's very nice to sit down and talk with someone who can who's a good combo of like honest, but also has some actual good insight about themselves. I think it's important to, to, to know like what's wrong with yourself. Like, you're, <laughs> you know, bro, that's such a good, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's, it, I think it's good to be your, not you, not to be your own worst critic where it gets into like a too depressive nature, which it can do even yeah. for myself sometimes, but to definitely be very aware of what you're doing and like, and just be more in a, in a way where like, I don't know. I just I f I do feel emotionally very emotionally receptive to people's energy and feelings and stuff, and it mm. and it is to my detriment sometimes because I'll give too much of myself to somebody and then like not give enough to someone that doesn't emotionally need stuff from me, but is always there for me. Like mm. even when I was in the band, I'd give a lot to like say Jeremy or whatever, but then maybe not enough to my partner and stuff because I'd be worrying about this person or whatever it was. But I and I would forget about the person that was just always there and reliable that you know like even like the Vince character you know like in the band just I should probably, yeah. it was sad for Vince a little bit because he's an incredible guitar player but because Jeremy was also a really good guitar player but he was a really good show guitar player like Jeremy would be flying around the stage all this sort of stuff so Vince got often neglected to to drums and just play drums or bass me and him would switch between drums and bass and that was totally cool it's nothing against Jeremy or anything like that but I was worrying so much about what Jeremy was thinking about I wasn't thinking about this guy, Vince, that never complained, never worried. Mm. But then one day I was like, oh man, I really would like to just play more guitar. So now when I did start Water, it was very conscious that it was going to rectify some of the issues of the old band. So we don't swap around. And Vince is the main guitar player in this band. And that's going to be really known in this band that 
we want to listen and because Vince is incredibly like he's such he's one of those guitar players that you're in practice you don't realize how good he is even at a gig you don't realize and you listen to a recording you listen to it, you go whoa whoa what what's he doing with that guitar <laughs> and it takes you that long to act because it's so it's like Ringo Starr you know everyone goes Ringo's a shit drummer like, no <laughs> Ringo's the best drummer in the world because you can't hear him yeah because right. it's actually so in it's so there yeah so like Vince is like that, his his guitar playing is so there that you often don't hear it. And then when you start listening for it, you're like, oh my God, what is he playing? Yeah. So yeah, I just feel like I did learn a lot from rackets because I mean, I haven't spoken to Jeremy in like two and a half years. And that's not a decision. It is a decision for me to be honest, but it's not, I'm not going to be the one to reach out to him. I mean, if he wants to reach out to me, I'm not going to be a dick to him, yeah. but I've given a lot to him and I don't want to keep doing that because I feel like I, and when I do that, I don't give enough to the people that are always there for me, like Vince or my partner or anything like that as well. And you, that's really important to make sure those people that don't always speak up are like looked after as well because it's a fucking turbulent world right now, man. So It's tough, man. And it's, it that's really tricky. hard because you're, you're basically just talking about um, it's really hard to set boundaries, mm. do you know? And mm. like, especially when, you know, if this, if this year is like really crazy, then there's probably a lot of different areas of craziness in your life that you could potentially give your time and energy to and we don't do much time talking about or thinking about how we build our own systems for ourselves to make that decision in a way we like yeah that's you know hard, and that's a hard decision to make because you ultimately have to you know do something you know it's a change of behavior yeah it's tough man a lot of people don't i uh, i in fact whenever i get in conversations like these and i like having them and uh, you know yeah yeah very early on in relationships i'm one of those people that's why silas is downstairs i really love him the first time i met him we immediately just started talking about shit like this yeah because i love it it's really good yeah it's good but i like a lot of the people i talk to about this stuff the common theme is that they have trouble setting boundaries like it's so crazy how prevalent that kind of behavior is it's especially in New Zealand, but you wouldn't know because it's not like it, the, the, this is probably weird for some people listening to it that you and I are now sitting on a couch talking about setting boundaries and they're like, what the fuck has happened? Yeah, but I suppose what we were talking about, what I, but yeah, I mean, when you say setting boundaries, it's just also like having enough respect for yourself as well. You have to, to set the boundary. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but then you also don't want to be so respectful of yourself that you don't have time for anybody. It's a real, it's that's a, the thing. It's yeah. impossible. It's you a really hard correct. balance. It's so hard, man. You'll never get it right. No, we're fucked. No, but you're not fucked, but you just have to constantly be listening to your intuition a bit more and have a strong intuition, I think, as well. Slowly improving towards less fucked. <laughs> Would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great... If we even like had titles for po- for our podcast, that would be, that would be That'd this be one. That'd be like, yeah, slowly improving to less fucked. Yeah. And, um, and I'd like to say also that it's... Me asking more about rackets and about water is not a reflection of what I like about them. It's purely a reflection of like... Uh, publicity I think which is a kind of weird one because that's almost out of your control and then I'm assuming that sometimes when these conversations kind of happen it does go back to a time and pull you back out of a place where you you, yeah. you seem so comfortable and so like on here now that it must be a little bit frustrating sometimes well it's hard for me to know how much I want to say but I don't also want to not say anything and I want to speak as honestly as I can about mm. the past because that's the only way you can also deal with the past yeah it's to honestly to even to yourself honestly think about it because like even me to say that about Jeremy is intense me because I still think about him all the time and it fucks me up all the time because I loved him so much and I still do love him. Yeah. But I just can't be there for him all the time because 
it fucks me up. And I've got a child now and I can't have two. And I'm not trying to call my child and be like a dick to him, but like I just can't have two. Yeah, I just, and I have a lack of, and it comes down to it, it ends up being a lack of respect for yourself and you know, fucking just like there's aspects of yourself you won't like when you justify behavior that you don't n normally yeah appreciate of course bands are really bands are really really can compromise morally sometimes in terms of not like more like that sounds way more intense than it is but like i don't know it can like I don't know. Bands are a weird. It's a weird thing. They're cults, man. They're a cult. That's what I'm saying. There's a cult. It's, it's a brotherly, like, and I feel like I was. I'm brothers with those guys. Mm. All of the bands that I've been in. Well, it, you know, if you think about, well, like, not brothers, siblings. You don't have to put gender on it. But you know what I mean? Like, but just I know, like, man. But like, I fucking love. Like, I to the end of like, I would like, I would fuck whatever. Let's do it. I'll be there for you. <laughs> Storm Normandy, motherfucker. <laughs> let's do it. I've been watching. I've been watching Band of Brothers. That's why they. Oh came. my god, Dan would love to hear yeah. that. My friend Dan. Oh, it's it's so good. I just got Neon. It's so much better than Netflix. Fuck Netflix. Really? Bro. You Neon's love Neon? Great. I love Neon. Really? What yeah. are you enjoying on well, it? It's got HBO on it, and like such HBO's. great. And he, I've already like found the HBO earlier. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I already. Yeah. Got it off the internet. Yeah, well then fair enough. That just shows I, I I'm not very cultured. I grew up uh, Wait, what do you see what HBO shows have you just got into? I okay. Have you watched The Wire yet? No. Okay, you're gonna love that. I'll love that. And I, this is actually good, man. I was listening to a podcast with like Theo Vod and he was like, Yeah, man, I um I just started watching Game of Thrones now. I just watched Godfather last week. I just wait for a bit. Just yeah. before the well <laughs> the, when the hype's died down, then I start yeah. watching it now. Got a clear mind, man. I've fallen out of love and now I'm ready to take stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Theo. Theo's a, Theo's he is a fucking so genius. Funny. Uh, I uh, know. I've just. I only watched the first season of True Detective a couple oh of weeks yeah. ago. Don't give. Stop. Rest of it's dog shit. I've, no I, I've never had a more consistent reply to a thing that comes out of my mouth than me saying I just watched season one. I've a hundred percent hit rate. Every single person says, "Great, don't watch season two. Yeah, honestly, Vince Vaughn screwed it. <laughs> So yeah, it must Vaughan suck to be do Vince Vaughn. Sandler. Poor Vince Vaughn, he's just like, it's, 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 and even in New Zealand, he I'm sorry He Vince. couldn't do an uncut gems, he couldn't be Sandman. Look, Dodgeball was fucking amazing. Vince. Yeah, I know, but don't he's not, worry he's not about a serious actor. It. Yeah, don't worry he's about it, Vince. It's, you still, actor. you'll always have Dodgeball. And yeah. people like Swingers, but I can't really remember it. I haven't watched that either. No, See, neither. I didn't fucking, yeah. It's hard. It's tough in Timaru, mate. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> Dude, what's in Timaru? What's the, down by the beach, is that like pavilion grounds? Eh? Uh, the Caroline Bay. It yeah, always looks nice. It has the. Um, it's like a little fairground. It's called in the there? Sound Shell. Did you see the Caroline Bay yes. Sound Shell. Have you played in there? No. Dude, that, you have to do that in your lifetime. I would love to. You have to. There was a plan when two cartoons and, and sports, they're also Timaru Boys. So it was like, well, maybe we should do. Oh, all of you Timaru Boys. Two yeah, cartoons. Post. That's how we know one another. Jamie and Karen. We so all, I didn't even meet you guys in Dunedin, but that was, you know. I think you met. Yeah, you would have met. I met you at that Dopra show. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then. Because Brad and I were in Dunedin. Yeah. They, Jamie and Karen, I've known since um, Waimataide oh. Primary School. Did we play together? At, we played together at um, uh, cassette once as well. I don't remember. I oh, know you guys played really well that night. I was that's really impressed. That's weird because Two Cartoons was a fucking. That's a whole nother. That's a I know, whole honestly, podcast. you guys. Yeah, I know, but that, that was honestly. <laughs> You guys made some bangers, and I was because I really was into that band No Age around that time as well. See, it's funny. I, I had, I've only listened to them in the last couple of years, and I was like, "Fuck, this is awesome!" I wish I was listening to this at the time. That because that song that ask you know the big yeah. No Age song. It was actually reminded me a lot of when I heard you guys were like, "Oh, it's kind of like that." I like, and I kind of got that. I was like, liked that vibe. I have to ask Brad because quite often what I find out is that someone will say something like that to us, and I'll be like, oh, "I've never heard of that band," or whatever, because. 
shocker i've actually never heard of most bands and uh, all these things but brad it turns out later on will be like oh yeah i was listening to that band like that's why i was doing this and that i'm like oh fuck all right now i get it so i wonder if he was listening to no age when doing this i wasn't at all I was just listening to listening waves, to? waves, just straight waves. Okay, that makes sense. And I and I'd come out of like Foles, yeah, 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 like NME, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then because my band, uh, Band so of Horses, maybe as well. A little bit. I it took me a long a little bit long to get into the softer indie stuff, <laughs> you know. But now I love it. Like Death Cafe Cutie is one of my like all time favorites. Um, uh, but yeah, and then um, yeah, it was just waves. It was like I came out of that, found like dumb guitar music, and then I took it as the first band I played guitar in. Because I was a bass player. What was your first band called? Was it a rock quest band? What's the rock, rock quest band one was called? Um, okay, funniest rock quest band. Can you tell me your top three favorite rock quest band names from your entry and your rock quest band? Well, see, I had the same. I I, I only had two names. I did um, New York Minutes, based off the Mary Kate Ashley Olsen film. Yeah, yeah, um, that was a good one. And and then these dancing wolves, which is oh, a very um, that's a like, very emo band name very, eh? and very enemy because it's like it's yeah. not those are dead guys. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. these dancing wolves. Well, like, there was that band called This Night Creeps as well, or something it's like shit like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we thought we were so clever, man. Right, there was a funny band at our rock quest called Where's Gary's Duvet, which I always thought was like one of the best band names ever. That's a good one. Fuck, Where's Gary's Duvet? I still so I do emceeing for Smoke Free Rock Quest. What are the band names like nowadays? Um, I couldn't. I, see, I know you can't slate I see, No, I see literally 40 to 50. Oh, you can't remember one Every good name? day, right? One so, good name? Because they're all the... They melt. I, I will tell you, like, it, once, you, once you start seeing... Once you're sitting through heats and then finals, it starts to melt a little bit. But I will say that, like, while I can't remember heaps of them, I do... There is a game every time you can play when you do Smoke Free Rock Quest, which is guess what genre? Yeah. The band is from their band name. Yeah, yeah. Because you're probably thinking right now, like you can probably guess like the metal ones. Yeah, for sure. There's some kind of disgusting, aggressive kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, you get good at it. What's your strike rate like? Good? I'm I'm in middle range. Yeah. It's a classic for me. <laughs> I'm not bad. I'm not great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just do the work. I turn up every day, Oscar, and it just happens. <laughs> You know oh, what man, I mean? That sounds pretty exciting, though. Is he? What's the music? What's the music like coming out of? Is there so any, much better. Yeah, really. It's getting real good. Um, the internet has changed everything. Music is man. The level is pretty high now. Yeah. For music, like the production level as well from bedroom people, you're just like, wow. Well, it's because we've democratized the technology, so it's more people so can. Good. And we've made it cheaper, and that means people's ideas aren't um, being relegated away by cost per entry. I right. Know. It was, yeah, it's a crazy, I'm, yeah, I'm so happy for young people right now, but I find it almost overwhelmingly easy that I'm like, let's do that. Yeah. Because it's like, what? it's just all about a great idea, which is actually beautiful. It's like a lot of, you know, it's like a, you have a good idea and it's, you can do it. Yes, it's that, but it's plus the, confidence. the biggest distraction machine we've ever built in our lives. Yeah, I know. It's you know? disgusting. I need to, oh, well, I need, pre- I've got this great song, but before I, it's almost finished, so I better start starting my, my release plan. And okay, I got to you know, I've, that's got to be this amount of time out. I better have a meeting with someone. I better get some press shots, and those aren't the right press shots. We need to do it with someone else. And in the meantime, the song in the background is getting like half the attention put on it, and maybe the mixing. Well, it's done. We're like, ah, oh, just just mix it, and it and you can ruin. You're like, you've got more chance to ruin things in the back end of of your music because there's so much more to worry about right now. Exactly. This. Because for some reason, you know. The burden's been put on. Uh, artists tend to take on a lot of burden uh, more often, maybe than they should. Yeah, and uh, because I, I, I think because they feel like there's no one who can adequately offer services that are reasonable and are on key with what I want. I think that a lot of people um, 
there, there's one plan in the music industry and you're just and you i i feel and like the lower levels yeah. right and you're essentially just picking which person you want to work with to do the plan yeah yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. i that, i think that alienates a lot of people like you you wouldn't you would have been like i don't want to fucking do that no, i want to do just, like these six but you in fact you did that yeah you just do what you but the, you, you can't just you just do whatever you want that's also the freedom of you just don't have to you don't have to listen to those but it's like these people right now who email you like hey indie card <laughs> magazine we want to put you in your thing 15 dollars to be in our online it's like fuck off and yeah, they right. keep emailing you and you're like what is wait who's paying for this shit yeah but like it is dangerous now. Like putting a sponsored Instagram post out does turn people off. Mm. Like if I saw a sponsored Instagram post for a band, listen to it and check out a new song, you're like, oh, what a hack band. Who the fuck does that? Ad, yeah. So like it's fucked. It, but you have to be, I think, confidence and clarity of idea and just not giving, just not, just just going for it. I agree. That would is be, the only way. But I would agree. That's my I'm not, advice to everyone. I'm not preaching what I talk. Though. I'm not like <laughs> dropping music like fucking destroying, but like, you know. Well, that's the same thing <laughs> you can say about me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're just, you don't both. have to listen to us, but I feel like you should. Yeah. <laughs> and of course I do. <laughs> and here's, yeah, here's two wildly different ideas. Go for whatever you want. That's the internet for you. <laughs> I love it, man. But it is cool that some dude, like like that guy recently like made a song. He's 16 in Auckland or whatever. Like the guy Josh. Himself, yeah, and he, now he's banging on tiktok probably more successful commercially than a lot of our hero new zealand bands yeah that's kind of rad that it's you know that's that's cool that's so good yeah i agree i agree that's a whole nother can of worms it's a huge can of, of like worms. oh he just made but a huge hit on tiktok yeah and like how does that fit with anything we can't have set up for yeah no. you just have to keep rolling with it eh? can't yeah. hate progression no, I love it. Yes, yeah, but, but I mean, it is like, confusing. I want to push people into it. I'm like, okay, we sh TikTok's a thing. Let's get, let's try it. If let's fund TikToks, <laughs> honestly. In fact, if we why don't we fund TikTokers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they can use New Zealand music. There you go, New Zealand on air. A, yeah. a TikTok fund. Yeah, yeah, TikTok. But, but they but twenty percent, and this will keep New Zealand on air music happy. Twenty percent of the music they use on their TikToks has to be New Zealand music. There we go. That's on the air. Blow up. Here we go. For free. Take that idea for free. That's a free idea. Hey, I want to say um, thank you for the beers. My pleasure. And I want to say that, what were we drinking? We were drinking the Halatau 2.47 sour, uh, sour Vice Ale or Berlina Vice Ale. And it's a nice sour beer. So yeah, I work for Halatau now. So I've been selling craft beer for a long time. So that's the thing. When you are in a band, you always have to have a job as well. So yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, so I was. I used to always go on tour and then I'd... Like you'd have to quit your cafe job, yeah. go on tour for a couple of weeks, which was only admittedly around New Zealand, but um, all those big tours, yeah. that big tour, <laughs> yeah. and then um, and then lose your job, come back, and then I really hated working cafes, waking up in the morning, working in the, working like selling coffees to people on a Saturday when you it's not fun, yeah. So then I just started yarning, and then I became a sales rep for a beer company. Yeah, so now yeah. and now I am the sales manager. I do product development as well for Halatel, which is rad. So I developed this, some of this product and the Schnapps product and the 09, the beer of Auckland, that one as well. So That's awesome. It's red. I wanted to say, like, this is the first sour beer I've actually enjoyed. Oh, cheers, dude. So this beer's been designed so you add a shot of Schnapps to it. Makes it even boozier. Um, what is Schnapps? So Schnapps is actually old beer. So in Germany, beer doesn't last more than three months. Right. And then you basically, well, it doesn't last, but that's how long they want it. They want it to be fresh and yummy. So you, you send it all back to the brewery and then they distill it down and they make it into schnapps and then they'll add low, like blend fruits with it but schnapps became so sweet and just like kind of shoddy and really really sweet so 
we're trying to bring it back and making a seasonal schnapps, which is made out of our beer. So our first schnapps is made out of all the waste beer from the COVID lockdown because we had to return like 2,000 litres worth of kegs because all the kegs went off in all the bars because of the lockdown. And we want everyone to go to bars and drink fresh beer when they come out of the lockdown. So that was all distilled down into the first apple schnapps. That's incredibly clever. But that also just talks back to history. That's kind of what, in my product development role, I really enjoy doing something because we're called Hallertau, so we've got that German roots and Germans kind of invented beer. And then going back to these cool traditional things people have forgotten about, like, what is schnapps? Oh, it's old beer. And then that reinforces that your beer is fresh because you don't want, well, why would you make the schnapps if your beer was old? Like, yeah, if you're yeah, drinking yeah. their old of course, it's going to be fresh. So oh my God. it's just like a whole thing. But that's like, that was the thing with rackets as well. Like, that was probably one of my aspects is that I would go out there and talk and sell the band and yarn and try. And so that's a big part of the, the band thing, which I struggle with nowadays, is selling myself as, do, a, as a creative. It's do you think it, hard. is there anything to do with like burnout from spending all day selling yeah, something else and you're like, I can't be bothered doing And it's doing easy this. to sell something else for someone else when you're, I'm selling, even though I did, I'm involved in creating the product or whatever, I am still selling, like, it's still my boss, Stephen Haley's thing. And it's not like I'm not. Mr. Hallertau, yes, just yes. The, you know, but when you're selling your band, you're selling yourself, mm. which is a bit of a more compromising thing because you can't talk about yourself in the third person, like, or you can say we, but you can't. You know, it's harder to big up yourself. I don't know. I find it a especially lot as a New Zealander. I think. Yeah, I think New we've got a. We we've got a. Like I say sorry all the time. Well, yeah, we've got Constantly. a. We've got something intergenerationally traumatic going on. I think it's just British, British colonial nation, like the British. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy, confidence, man. confidence nook. Yeah, tall poppy thing. It's tough. Yeah, the whole tall poppy thing is really tough. Like just slipping out of boxes, you know. That's uh, we're so regimented all the time in every aspect. It's kind of like even if there's two, it's like you got to be in this box or this box, and people don't know how to handle things that well, shift in between. That talks about where we are right now politically. It's like we have a chance to on these referendums to progress and move forward with the end of life and the cannabis one. Yeah. But people are still so archaic and then these boxes where they're like, no, yep, no, but we need to come together and talk and listen and like progress and move forward. Like I, it's why I actually, cause again, like I'm completely dead inside. So I don't, yeah. I don't care about any, anything at all, but just vacant. I just want, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just want, there to be more places for people who are passionate about these things to talk in a way that I want to listen. Mm-hmm. It's for me, it's, it's really that simple. But like we're, we're if, even if there was a person and whoever that person is for you, that you think has the really good idea, mm. where is the actual forum that they can go on and convince at length in a normal way, the way you and I are addressing yeah. right now, are, uh, that's on, it's not on TV. There's no forum for that on TV. Like leaders debates are not that. You know, it's, I just, we need more places where people have conversations like this. We we need to have more places where people have conversations to people that aren't agreeing with their opinion as well. Cause I'm worried right now (laughs) I'm seeing from my Instagram feed, everyone like legalize all this stuff. And I'm like, cool. But I worry that we're all just talking to ourselves and I'm more going out there, going to people that I, that I, you know, go into a bar and the bartender or the owner or whatever. I just talk to them like, have you enrolled to vote? Yep. I'm voting. What do you think about the referendums? And then just have a chat about them. And eighty percent of people are saying yes, and eighty and twenty percent say no. And I go, cool. Let's have a discussion about it. Don't go at it aggressively. I'll be like, oh, I think you know, that we stone drivers everywhere. It's like, well, they already are out there probably because we don't know. Yeah. So and they're like, well, how are they going to test for it? Because it's been in your system for two weeks. It's like, well, the first drink driving test was just walk in a straight line and say the alphabet backwards, which isn't 
you can kind of cheat that or whatever. So it will get better in time, but we need to step forward to get better. So yeah. we need to take steps to move forward. So, but it's really important that we don't just talk to people that agree with us because that's what's happening right now. And that's the worrying. And, then, and like you say, there's no platform where we can have a discussion with people that potentially don't agree with us and not start yelling at each other. Yeah. And I'm willing to change my opinion. I hope, and, they, and that's, I want to be in a situation where people are comfortable to change your opinion. Yeah. I, I mean, Chloe, if you're listening. I love you so much, Chloe. I'm voting for you 100%. Um, you need to talk to someone about someone at Green Party hiring Oscar to be your like party salesman or like PR person because that's the best explanation of uh, what I assume are quite green uh, 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 yeah. concerns on politics. That I've heard. That's because you're exactly right. I hear a, I hear a lot of things about from green supporters that I know they just say to other green supporters. Yeah, and it's made for a person who's already on board to listen to. Yeah. I hardly ever hear, aside from like what I just heard just then, was yeah. essentially like. And Chloe's another person who does it really, really well. well. Really well. As she's a, she's she's espousing green ideas for an audience that can understand them. That's neutral or even against. Against yeah, and being willing to have a balanced debate with someone and not just start yelling at them and going you're racist you're this and like we can't just label people as things you're a snowflake and shut if, up and even if they are be have the have the mental capacity that they can change yeah and be able to come at, come at them from the aspect that they can change and that they will change but not in a way that like i'm going to make you change that they have the mental capacity to think and take it on board and potentially change your mind. Because most shitty opinions come from ignorance. Yeah. Like, yes. Like I, all of them, basically. You know, ha you meet hardly any um, like villains, super villains in a lair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everyone kind of thinks that they're, they're doing just what they should do and what's what's right. And they just need more information. They generally just need more information and a nice, and do not hear it from someone that's yelling at them, calling them all these slurs. Yeah. Because those are slurs being called, you know, racist or any of that stuff it's like it kicks you off on the wrong foot that's all like if someone calls you that you're like wait how dare you call me that that's like yeah. one of the biggest that's one of the most serious accusations of in the world to call someone like you know you yeah. can't throw those things around and the other side of that is is like it's purely strategy even if that person is a racist right yeah and you're trying to either change their mind about their racism hmm. or try and defeat them in front of other people. Hmm. Um, the way is still not to just accuse them of what they are because you'll send them, like you're saying, to that yeah. defensive thing. Yeah. There's that guy, Daryl. Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis, yeah, right? That's, that's, that was the big one for me when I heard his story. Yeah, yeah and he sits, he sits down with members of the KKK yeah. as like a black blues musician yeah. and literally befriends them yeah. out of their racism. Exactly. And one of, them, one of the guys was literally, said, he said a really good one to one of the guys who was like a driver of one of the leaders of the KKK. And the guy was like, why, why are you racist to the guy? And he says, Oh, because I'm just scared of black people because, um, you know, you guys will, you rape people and you're criminals and you murder people and you like, because it's in your brain, it's a, it's a thing that will trigger one day and you will just murder and kill me. And I'm really scared of that. And he goes, oh my God, you really think that? He goes, he goes and I go, why do you think that? He goes, oh, because that's what, that's what commonly black people do. And he goes, well, commonly white people are pedophiles <laughs> and do mass shootings and stuff. So is that a gene in your brain that's going to flick one day and you're just going to start pe um, molesting children and doing mass shootings? And yeah, the guy was right. like, Oh shit! And then the next day, he quit his job at the KKK, gave Daryl his robes. Yeah, and it's just robes. literally like because someone told him that there's this gene in black people's brain, which is completely obviously bullshit. But yeah. he never got told that that wasn't true. 
Yeah, true. Do you know what I mean? I do know. So he never knew that that wasn't true. Yeah. So we need to let them at least acknowledge that they might be wrong and that they have the choice to make a change. And we need to big up the voices and the people who are actually really good at talking yeah. and making that case. And, and that's exactly why I like having you here. No, it's lovely being here, man. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like we'll do this again. Yeah, I'm keen. Because I, I'm not, it's, not, it's not a one and done kind of thing. Yeah, I'm keen to come back. Hopefully it wasn't too... I'm not advocating too much drug use out there, anybody, by the way. You know, but microdosing <laughs> is fantastic. But please don't do anything that, if you've got any mental health in your family, be very careful with psychedelics. Yeah. Be very, very careful. Yeah, yeah. Controlled environments. Um, do you know what I just realized? Yes. What was that? Hello, my name's Harko. Um, and you've made it to the Harko Meets Humans podcast at Poynton Street Studios. And my guest today has been Oscar from Rackets and Water. Thank you so much it's for been coming an absolute in. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. It was so it was so fun that I didn't even think about doing the <laughs> intro to the till the end. So there you go. You get an intro for an outro. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks for the kind. I feel like I just co-hosted. I'm so sorry, Oscar. On behalf fun. of the audience, there. Thank you very much. I feel it channeled through you, Oscar. I really enjoyed it. All thanks right. For Isaac. <laughs> See you later, everybody. <laughs>